Welcome to a super sacred episode of Ceremony Circle Podcast, Soul Fam. I am your host, shaman and author Allison Charles, and today we are diving all the way into the theme of relationship awakenings that give way to wild births with co-founder of Sacred Sister Circle and plant spirit medicine guide, my dear sister, Devana May. Now, if you're a regular listener of Ceremony Circle Podcast, you know it's always highly recommended to create some sort of sacred space while listening to each episode. And I want to reiterate that for today's show because Devana will be very, very generously sharing about the relationship that provided her awakening and sharing for the first time publicly about not one, but two of her pregnancy journeys and birthing experiences. So I want to say out of the gate, this is a sacred space and judgment-free zone. This is a container that honors Devana in full for being so willing to share about some of the most personal, reverent, and vulnerable moments for our benefit, for us to learn and open our hearts and open my minds. It's her being of service and sharing. So even if you've had very different pregnancy and birthing experiences, that's wonderful. That's great. But this is a container to hold her shares and her willingness to share those shares about her personal experiences in the highest honoring way. So for us as a Ceremony Circle fam, as we all gather together in this ceremonial way to honor all of that, maybe you want to light a candle, clear the energy of your room. Her name is Devana, and that's also the name of a rare plant that comes from India. So maybe you want to bring a plant or a flower nearby while listening. Other topics in this episode, we both talk about our past experiences with emotionally abusive and highly dysfunctional relationships and how our spiritual awakenings emerged from that. And the wild birthing part of it, what came for me was my realization and realignment with my divine calling as a shaman. And for Devana, it was a literal wild birth or free birth that happened for her. And Devana shares in detail about not having any doctor's appointments, but learning to trust herself and her body and her intuition, learning who in the free birth space holding community would be right for her and her journey and her actual wild birth. And I'll save all those details for the actual interview because it truly could be made into a movie. We also share tips and steps to take when releasing yourself from a toxic or abusive relationship, what the game-changing moment and piece of information was for Devana that kept her resolute and so strong and cutting all ties from her ex, her two drastically different birthing stories of her first son, Cairo, and her second son, Nature, The voyage is there both internally and externally, the major lessons learned, and there is a lot in these shares. So I ask, once again, that you just enter in with an open heart and open mind to receive. Now, what is a wild birth? A lot of the details around it were new to me. So she shares how she organically got into alignment with it and what it is. And this is one of my favorite parts of the interview. She shares postpartum care tips. I learned so much. As Devana is also a teacher of the power and spirit of plants, she shares about things like nutmeg and so many others, how they can aid in the birthing and postpartum process. Who knew? I did not. And what her experience was getting the 40 sacred days after giving birth. 
And that's where a mother does not cook, does not clean, doesn't do anything. It's all about the mother having proper time to rest, be nourished, be pampered, stay at home, no contact with the outside world, what that provided for her. And the most intriguing part of all she shares in deep reverence about the closing of the bones ceremony that she participated in after giving birth. It is so profound. And we close our circle today with a very unique guided womb meditation that involves a lot of freedom and liberation medicine. And this is where you can be a part of a very deep healing, not only for yourself, but for the entire planet, whether you physically have a womb or not. So there is huge, highest divine medicine transmitted into today's circle. And I love this dear sister so much and greatly respect her willingness to be of service to us through her sharing about her birthing stories. So thank you all for joining with us in this time. Without further ado, let's gather by the sacred grand fire and hear the tales of how relationship awakenings give way to wild births. Okay, I'm so excited to have you on, Devana. Thank you, sister. Thank you so much. Thank you. You know, it's so nice. I knew of you from my time in Los Angeles, and I was able to march in a Amazonian parade with your husband, but it wasn't until we both got to Texas that we were able to finally meet in person. Mm-hmm. And I just remember the first time we met, it was just like, oh, we just dropped in. You know what I mean? I, I don't know how you felt, but for me, I was just like, oh, I know her. There was just right to it. Yeah, mm-hmm. right to mm-hmm. it. So I was so I've been so happy to be able to come out to your mm-hmm. house and, you know, come for Cairo's birthday and to mm-hmm. just spend more and more time with all of you. Your family's so beautiful. Thank you. And so today, the other thing I was really enjoying about when I was feeling into our talk is a lot of times for these ceremony circle interviews, I have incredible people on, right? And we're all so multifaceted and so integrated in so many different ways. The interviews cover a lot of ground, but for you, I really felt strongly, and I think you did as well, and keeping it pretty honed and more focused because you just had a wild birth and even just saying that out loud, you know, you're the first person I've ever known. You're the first friend I have who has gone through that process. And so there's so much for, I'm sure, not only for me to learn, but for all the listeners as well. And am I the first person that gets to talk with you about your experience? Yes. My eyes are watering right now because I'm just feeling the energy. Yeah, you're the first. This is my first time in front of the microphone speaking this story. Wow, I have chills. Okay, so that's a little precursor as Mm -hmm. to where this voyage is going to flow. But let's start because I remember one of the first times we were able to to chat and drop in a little deeper, we realized Mm -hmm. that we have similar backgrounds in terms of previous relationships really being a catalyst for waking us up. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That was a mm -hmm. (laughs) And so I have this theme at the top of this page here. It says, relationship awakenings that give way to wild births. And so that is the other beautiful thing that emerged because my previous fiance, and let me also say, Devon and I are very deep in the path, and this is not about 
uh, bashing anyone mm-hmm. at all. This is just about us sharing our awakening and spiritual journeys. And these relationships were a huge part for me. It was the moment of my spiritual awakening. Same, yes. And we give so much gratitude to these beautiful souls. Yep. And the role they played in our lives and our awakening. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. So that is clear. And that foundation is set right now. So tell me for you, what what was that journey like? Because I've been saving to get into the details until this moment. How did your relationship bring you to that point, mm. your previous relationship? Yes. Yeah, so I met this man and we met in Santa Monica at the stairs, the Santa Monica stairs working out. And one of the first few days of hanging out with him, he he had mentioned that he wants to be my boyfriend, so to speak. And I remember right in that moment, my heart dropped to my stomach and I had this thought like, but he doesn't even know me. That's weird. But then I just kept going. And throughout that relationship, there were so many points of my intuition speaking to me, but me ignoring it and just continuing to go because I didn't know yet. I didn't have the awareness of what that was fully. But basically it was deep control. He was very controlling and it started small and it just kept growing and getting more controlling and more controlling. And so four and a half years go by at this point, we're engaged and my whole being was shifting over these four and a half years. My whole brain was changing and I started to develop insomnia, anxiety, paranoia, depression. I was thinking about death every day. I was thinking about death. Do you think that that was because your soul, part of your soul felt like it was dying? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that if I was to stay in that relationship, I could have died. And who knows how, but I was going to. It was on the path of not life because I wasn't listening to my spirit. I relate deeply. Yes. And yeah. Wow. So you guys were engaged. Mm -hmm. There's so many, I'm like, literally everything you said, I'm like, okay, you know, my story too. And I imagine you're living together. Mm -hmm. And so was there a one moment for me? I also, it took me over 16 years to exit out of mine and also took a divine intervention. All of my guides coming in and blowing the whistle. Everyone. Everyone. That was yours too. All the guides, all the animal spirits, Mm -hmm. everyone came to get me out. Help. Same. Okay. So you go first. How did that happen? (laughs) So it actually started, I was teaching a class in Manhattan Beach and I was leaving It was nighttime. I was closing the studio and I saw a white owl on the telephone wire in the parking lot. And I looked up at this owl and immediately I had thought of him and something bad. I, at that time I was in the paranoia. I was always thinking I was going to die. So I was creating these stories like, oh, when, anyways, when I got home, I ended up putting all this furniture in front of the door, locking the door, like blocking it. He was out of town. And so I was by myself for that week. And it's interesting because anytime he would leave and I would get a few days to myself is when I would start being able to hear my voice. Like he needed to leave. So for me to be able to listen to myself. Yeah. Because a lot of people that have some of the characteristics that I think our exes share, whether we, you know, I hate to classify and use titles, but narcissistic tendencies, mm-hmm. controlling t- tendencies, manipulation tendencies, these kinds of things 
they can really be so all-consuming and such powerful energetic systems. And for me, so hold, stay exactly where you're at. Don't lose your, your train of thought. But I just remember, you know, I got so lost in that voyage with my ex. I, I got to the point where I didn't know up from down. I was also experiencing anxiety, severe panic attacks. I was on anxiety, anti-anxiety medication, mm. autoimmune disorders. Like my body, God bless all the systems that were trying so hard to get my attention. But I was in a severe codependent state. That was my side of it that I really had to own and, mm -hmm. and after my awakening take big responsibility for and learn. But I just remember, you know, were these powerful women and and I think it's I think it is really important to acknowledge, at least for me, I don't want to speak for you. After I had my awakening, I really had to own, wow, like it can happen to someone quote unquote like me too. Mm -hmm. Yep. Right? You know anyone. Yep. You know, I accomplished so much, you know, on the outside, all these yes. big successes and doing all these things. And yet at home, I was in just such anguish and turmoil. And so, yeah, I just wanted to share like when you're in those swirls, it can just feel like such a tornado of emotion mm. and lostness. So I don't know if you relate to that. Oh, yeah. They actually call it the fog. You're in a fog. And then you coming out of the fog is the brain starts to heal. Because when we're in these kind of relationships, our brain is actually changing because of the emotional abuse and the different, all the confusion and the gaslighting and the different things we're experiencing actually rewire the brain. And so part of our healing is coming back into balance, healing our brain with the plants and healing our nervous systems and coming back into balance. And like what you mentioned, I personally feel that it's not that they necessarily caused this, but that was already inside for me. It was already inside of me from childhood trauma. And he was a divine near to help bring it out so that I could do the healing, but it was already in there inside of me. And that's why I was with him for four and a half years. That's why we were a match. Yes. Yes. Same. <laughs> I can connect so much the child, certain childhood wounding and, and trauma dots that, yes, made him the exact perfect karmic match for me at that time. Exactly. And so going back to the white owl. So I saw this owl. I didn't know anything yet about animal spirits, animal medicine, but I was just thinking for two weeks about this white owl and I knew it was significant. And then I finally researched, I Googled, you know, white owl. And that's when the whole world opened up for me that this was a message. And I remember what stood out for me at that time. It was deception, beware of people and their masks, mm. wisdom, intuition. And just immediately I knew it was a message for me and it was about him, but I didn't know yet what that was. And then fast forward, a year goes by. And then I had my first mushroom, medicinal mushroom experience at reggae on the river up in Northern California. And that sounds like a great time. It was the best. <laughs> reggae, medicinal mushroom. Yeah, river, yeah. And I remember there was a native, an indigenous elder was speaking at the opening ceremony and he was talking to us about the water. And he was saying, we need to take care of the water if we don't take care of the river here, we won't be invited back. And just make sure that any time you drink water, you thank the water when you're taking a shower, thank the water. 
And he's like, our time on this earth is short. I remember I was just crying and crying the whole time. And I was just thinking I was going to die. Just thinking like he was talking to me that my time was going to end. And I was just in this deep depression. Mm -hmm. Looking back, that's what depression is when you're just thinking of death all the time. And that night when I had mushrooms for the first time, I was just running from my ex at the time. I was just screaming and running from him. Those were the visions coming in? Yeah, I was literally screaming. Oh, literally. literally screaming. He was try, would try to talk to me and I would run through the whole festival. I was just oh, running. Oh, he was there with you. He was there with me. This is wild. And I was running from him thinking that he was going to kill me. And I was just running every time. And I would just scream at the top of my lungs. Your highest self was like, girl, get on this train with me. Get on this train. Yes. And then that was Friday night. And then Sunday night, I didn't do any medicine. I was still healing from that whole experience that happened because I went into like a hell dimension. I was in purgatory. It was like a deep, deep spiritual journey for me. And at this time, I wasn't believing in God yet. I was in this kind of atheist place in my life. And that was also part of the depression because I was thinking I was going to die all the time. But I was like, and then what happens? Where do I go? There's mm. nothing after this. Like, so I was in the dark night of the soul. Yeah. Yeah, you were. Yes. And then that Sunday night, it was like I was having flashbacks. I wasn't on any medicine, but everything I was experiencing that night on mushrooms came back, but in real time, in just sober time. Mm -hmm. And I literally was saying to him, I need to go. I need to go die. And he was like holding me down in the tent and saying, and at this time I was starting to go into Christianity because he was deep into Christianity. And that was also part of the control with the whole relationship. And we were reading the Bible every day. And I was just like, I need to read the Bible, get the Bible. And we didn't have it. It was in the car. So he just started praying to me. I was started to confess all of my, my quote sins and all these things I had felt guilty for in my past. I was just spitting it out, spitting it out. And then all of a sudden this rush just came through my whole body. I can't explain it. It was just this mystical experience that happened to me. I was hearing voices saying, all of these names from my childhood, my dog name, my name of the city I was born, just all these different words. And then I was like, oh my goodness, God. I was just like, God saved me. It felt like God saved me. I was like, and at the time it was Jesus. Jesus came through and I was like, oh my God, God is real. There, God, is, God is real. And then as soon as that happened, I heard the voices say, oh, we thought we lost her. And then Bob Marley Redemption song started playing because it was, it was still the festival was going on. And then boom, it was the last song of the entire festival and it ended and it was like 7 a.m. The sun was rising or it was like 6 a.m. The sun was rising and then that was it. And then after that, I was just in this mystical place of trying to figure out what happened to me. What was that? I was reading the Bible again, was every day like reading about being saved and Jesus and God and spirituality. And that was like the beginning of the path that hasn't stopped. I mean, because <laughs> then that weekend, you experienced both ends of the spectrum to the fullest. You know, you went and faced your darkest fears yes. and went into the purgatory spaces yes. and you know, facing death in so many different ways and then all the way to the opposite end of the spectrum of for the first time in your ever in your life, this lifetime, knowing in every cell of your being and body that God is real mm -hmm. and that you are that. I, I mean, that that's a powerful weekend. Mm -hmm. That's so do you 
classify that as your initial major spiritual awakening? Yeah, absolutely. For mm-hmm. sure. And also what I le- had left out, which I feel like I need to speak to, is that I had cheated on him. And I con- I told him at that on the mushrooms, mm-hmm. I told him. And then what ended up happening was he forgave me right away, but he ended up using that throughout the rest of our relationship to control me even more, mm-hmm. which I later read online. It's very common that women will cheat because they're so controlling that if you have a moment free, you like go wild mm-hmm. kind of thing because you're just like, you've been in kind of caged. Mm-hmm. So it's very common. And he was always thinking I was cheating on him. And it was kind of that self-fulfilling prophecy. Absolutely. Yeah. And so it just happened. And then I told him and he was just like, that's okay. And then he ended up using it. Oh, you can't see these friends. You can't go out. So he was able to use Remember that. what you've done to me? Yeah, yeah. So, okay. Next, we're going to, you know, flow into, yes. yeah, what occurred after that weekend. Mm-hmm. But I will just share. I, I mean, I'm so glad I waited for us to, to get into all of this for this interview because it's absolutely uncanny, mm-hmm. all the parallels. My Spiritual Awakening Divine Intervention Day also... I was primarily led through the clear audience messages and voices coming in, which sounds like you were too. And I don't think, and I won't get into the whole story now, and I'm sure at some point on on my show I will, because I don't think I've covered it too much, but it was through Great Spirit. um, And I also, the entire room, I was in my previous place in Brooklyn, and it was just filled with all angelic support and the energy completely changed throughout the entire place. I became clear audience in my right ear and heard great mm. spirit. And I also had visions of like Native American elders and animals and just all of my council of ascended master guides. Jesus is also, you know, he's my main mm-hmm. love and light guide this lifetime. Yes. So I'm listening to you and I'm just like, <laughs> whoa. And I'm curious too, the listeners listening, I wonder if anyone else has had similar experiences. So you have had your awakening and your ex was present and witness to quite a lot of that. How did you navigate that then? Because now, oftentimes I know when we have these spiritual awakening experiences, yes, in that instant, we are truly a completely changed different person, but it can take a bit of time of processing and integration and further gifts coming online and on board for us to really realize consciously what's what's happening so mm-hmm. what what occurred after you guys left that festival so after we left that festival we were on this high like i ended up proposing to him oh my this is gosh. the thing this could be moved <laughs> put into a cinematic like this is a movie this is a screenplay just fyi that after the mystical awakening then i was just like marry me it was just it just like came through i was like marry me and he was like okay so we like got married with our friends that morning, kind of this like kind of just under the the sky marriage. And wow, so wild. I haven't thought about this in a while. So, and then we were just on this high, this bliss, driving back from Humboldt back to um, Redondo Beach and just life was amazing. Um, He made me call my friend in the car, my, my girlfriends who were kind of, they were my best high school friends. He was like, tell them you can't be friends with them anymore. And I just called them and I, they were like, that was so weird. When I talked to them later on, they're like, that was the weirdest thing. <sighs> and it just like- Sure, they were very alarmed. Yeah. yeah. And then I went into my, um, we went deep into Rasta, Rastafarianism after that. 
And I was reading the the Bible every day, reading the Kebra Nagas, reading Psalms and Proverbs. That's when I started to stop eating meat. And I got rid of the microwave and put the juicer. And I just went into this deep path of my spiritual journey. Stop watching TV. Got- Did you start getting colonics? No. Oh, okay. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was getting colonics Dude. all the time. Yeah, I, that, that'll be, that's <laughs> coming. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, throughout all my um, chemical, like perfume, just went into like the holistic path mm-hmm. and also started my dreadlocks. So I started growing out my my dreads, which was also a big ego death and was a huge part of my journey and my self-love and connecting to my roots and connecting to my African roots and to my ancestors. Oh, I didn't know anything about this. Yes. Wow, that sounds very potent. Mm-hmm. Wow. And did... He- what nationality would did he take part in this and what as no well? no no he wasn't he was full european okay. but had deep his he grew up with just so many like african-american friends and yeah he was a football player and that. so very connected to the culture yeah connected and yeah so you started to grow dreadlocks yeah so i grew up my dreadlocks and that journey was really powerful because for example like my curly hair my whole life everyone always complimented my hair oh my gosh your hair is so beautiful and so to do that it was like i was letting go of this image of this beauty right this kind of like outside appearance and i was going within locking my hair and i remember i kept asking i'd be like god should i dread my hair i'd be driving and then I'd look to the right and there was a man walking by with long dreads on PCH mm-hmm. walking by. And then another time I was in my kitchen, we lived by the beach and I was like, should I grow dreads? Because it was, you know, it's a big decision. I was like, should I start my dreads? And I look out the window and a man, another man walks by with dreadlocks. So I was just like, okay, here we go. Started my dreads and I took a class, learn how to make your own beauty products because I wanted it for my hair. Mm-hmm. And in this class, we learned about essential oils, which I had never really knew about at this time. I didn't have any essential oils yet. It was kind of just starting to come up in the collective, really becoming popular. Sure. And I took this class. I was like, oh my goodness, these essential oils, fruits and plants in a bottle. This is amazing. They I went, smell wonderful. They smell wonderful. <laughs> They're all natural. I went next door, bought essential oils. And a few months later, I took another class, become a certified wisdom of the earth medicinal aromatherapist. I had no idea what that was, but I knew I had to take this class. That sounds great. And so I emailed the teacher and she was like, oh my goodness, Devana, that's one of my favorite flowers. Have you ever tried her? You will get to um, work with her in the class. So already that was like a little sign, like you're on the right path. Definitely. It was a life-changing weekend. We learned all about the plants and the trees and how the plants are the original medicine of the planet put here by creator. And we're all waking up to this truth. We're all coming back to our to the earth, back to these natural ways, back to the indigenous ways. And it was just a heart-opening, life-changing, expanding weekend. And for our class, we had to choose one essential essence to work with. And I chose Devana. We had to write a paper and we had to write about what happens to us and to people around us, to our family, when we work with these plants, mm-hmm. because they work with the mind, body, and spirit. It's not just a physical, you know, help pain in my lower back. It's a full on balance and harmony within our whole being that happens when we work with the plants. Truly is. And shout out, we both took some Lotus Way flower elixirs under our <laughs> tongue before this interview. They're really powerful yes. when you start to get into this world. Mm. Yes. And so at this time, 
we were moving. So we lived together and we were engaged. And so our plan was to move into my mom's house as a stepping stone to then either move to the woods, like up north or to Hawaii. So we were in this transition. So I had the oil mailed to my mom's house. And when we arrived there to move in, the, my, my essence was there. The oil was there. So I was like, yay, get to write my paper, get to see what happens. And so I would put the oil on. It smells so sweet, so delicious. And I would just start crying and crying. And it was his birthday and I wanted no, no part in him. It was just, so I was just slowly detaching from him. And the, I'm sure the plant, your plant was helping exactly. you. Exactly. Whoa. And then he went out of town again. He go, he went out of town for another week. Oh, now that I can sense already that was the game changer because that gave you the opening to return to yourself. Exactly. Oh boy. So he goes out of town and I get this message to just Google. I started, here comes, thank goodness for the internet. <laughs> I researched anxiety, depression. I, I wrote, is my controlling boyfriend causing me anxiety and depression. And that's when the whole world opened up where I learned about emotional abuse, domestic violence, red flags for physical abuse, basically reading exact stories of mine that women were experiencing that I was going through the exact same thing, the paranoia, turning over their shoulder every day, thinking they were going to die, their controlling partners. And the world just, the answers came in. And because I was a psychology major, I was like obsessed with the research. I was like, how did I get into this? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, I'm ex- this is happening to me. And so... And what a brave, and hold exactly yeah. where you are, but what a brave space to be in of soul readiness, right? You know, it, it can really take a lot to get to that specific point where you're finally ready to go into that cave... <sighs> And face those biggest fears oh. head on, you know, because you are literally reading, letting yourself finally lift that veil and look right in front of your face for the first time yes. and, and acknowledge that you had been in some some deep trouble. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then when I read that. And you av- can't unsee that. You can't unsee that. But I read that the average time that a a woman in this kind of relationship will leave and go back, leave and go back is seven times. And when I read that, I was like, nope, this is once once and done. And so he came back and (sighs) this part was like spirit moved through me to do this because that was the hardest part was the actual ending of it. So he came back. Oh, no. Yeah. So he came back and it was just again, continuing to detach. And I was like, okay, maybe just go to your your mom's house and we'll take a week break. So it, that's what I had to do. I had to do the slow, mm. take a week break, and then we'll see. And that gave me again, more space. So then, you know, more research, realizing what I was in, knowing that this is it. And so then I said, okay, come back and get your stuff. I think we need to split, you know, and he came back, but I wasn't there. I went and stayed at my sister's house. So smart. Now, I want to know, though, because it sounds like you just got so, you were able to get so clear and so resolute that it seems like these next steps, you were able to do them pretty easily. And yet these dynamics, like you said in the article, oftentimes women go back seven times. I was in that karmic cycle with my ex for over 16 years. You know, it it can be really challenging. So for people listening that maybe this is resonating and maybe they're finally acknowledging that they're not in a healthy relationship right now, 
how were you, where were you accessing within yourself for you to not quiver or struggle or want to be at the house when he came back and like dipping into those lower round places? Right. I think this is where it came deep into the root. It was like deep into the root, deep into my soul. It was like life or death. And the essential oil of Devana on the back of the bottle, it says, awaken, fast, gentle healing. And um, in addition to this, this plant helps with all kinds of physical things as well. And I read anti-anxiety. Mm-hmm. I read, I put it here. It says reduces anxiety and stress, induces mental peace and positive energy, assists recovery from effects of shock and trauma. Yes. I was like, oh, I want to ask her about that. Does that all resonate? Oh, yeah. And this other woman I read who used Ivana online, she wrote, the essential oil of Devana helped to release me from my cage, my cage of fear that I had placed myself in. There you go. That's it. Case in point. So you attribute a lot of that strength coming from utilizing the exact plant that you're named after. Mm-hmm. So for those listening, I know you at one point maybe still do you make different tonics and elixirs and mm-hmm, things with mm-hmm. flowers. So can they get something from you if they want to start? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So right now I'm in the process of finding a new farmers, connecting with the farmers in India because this plant is very rare. Yeah. And that's my my goal right now is I'm on this this mission to find and connect with the farmers in India and get bulk essential oil, Devana food grade, not the synthetic kind, and really start making making medicines and giving it out to the people. And it's also antiviral and it helps with lungs and decongestion and okay. breathing. Okay. Well, I'm calling in whatever additional divine support to yeah. align you on that on that path because I want to try it and I'm sure a bunch listening to you too. So he, you got more and more time, more and more time. And when you asked him to come get his stuff, you stuck with the wisdom to not be there. And then what? Yes. It was the hardest thing ever. That's where I feel like a different energy came in to break through this magnetic f- shield, this magnetic force field I was in. It was like someone else came into my body because he curled up on the bed in the fetal position, sobbing like the little boy inside him, the wounded self. And I was just there like, no, it was so hard for me not to just crawl and just hug him and say, it's okay. Like, fine, I'll stay. But that was the moment where just like, no, I have to do this. And I just, that was spirit. That was the ancestors. That was my soul. And then I never saw him again because I read no contact. It was just this divine strength that I had, this deep will to make the change because I was in shock that that even happened to me. Yeah. And yes. Yeah. It is so, it is really shocking. And God bless our beautiful little souls, (laughs) you know, like I'm just feeling those younger, younger parts of us Mm -hmm. that just, you know, needed to go through those passageways. But I also relate for me, the true crumbling of that old paradigm system and that like that moment for me really culminated to when after the awakening and intervention happened, I told him to never contact me again. Mm -hmm. You know, I just, everything in me and that deepest part knew as well, like absolutely zero contact. But it was in, in that time after that, 
where I continue to have more and more awakenings, more and more visions, more and more clear audience instructions and things. And I was finally, for the first time in over 16 years, you know, the veil of illusion had disintegrated, the denial had got obliterated, my egoic shell had got obliterated. So I was literally seeing for the first time and I saw his addiction issues mm-hmm. and I saw my codependent issues. Yes. And that's where it got the hardest for me because I had not, this is so many years ago, I had not done archetype work. I wasn't familiar that I had the rescuer archetype as Mm -hmm. one of my main ones and all of these big dynamics that when we explore ourselves, we then can navigate everything differently at a higher level. Yes, I didn't have these tools yet. And so you put a rescuer and codependent with the information that their ex has addiction issues and everything in me, I literally, it was at that point where I knew there had to be no contact, but all of those other aspects in me wanted so badly to fix, save, mm-hmm. rescue, help. Yes. That's was, where the grieving comes in. Yes. And the helplessness. Yes. It was the scariest moment, truly. <sighs> and I just knew all I could do, what I chose to do was to inform one trusted family member of his because I just couldn't, I knew that I could no longer play a role in that narrative. However, to be equipped with this information, and I knew I was the only one now equipped because of the ability he had to hide it. And it was truly from a place of love. I felt the best thing to do was to let at least one person know, because if I just went about my life, you know, and of course, you know, I, I trust in, in everything, but it just didn't feel right to not let somebody know he's suffering. He has severe addiction issues. So I felt good about going in that direction and had a really healthy healing conversation with one family member. And, you know, that helped me keep strong to not feel like I needed to intervene to help him. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, anyways, I just, oh God, I haven't relived a lot of this stuff in a while either, but the magic of storytelling, it's so important. It is. This is how we learn. And it was hard. Like after that, I never saw him again, but he had, um, so my, one of my best friends from, we were best friends since junior high. She of course knew him. She was one of the friends that I, you know, abandoned at that time, but she knew what I was in because she was going to school to become a marriage and family therapist. Mm. So she knew exactly what I was in and she would try to say things to me and I was so defensive. And a few days before I ended it, they were all together, all my best friends for for my best friend's um, bridal shower. And she had said that she gathered all this information to send me and she was planning on mailing to me on that Monday. The party was on Sunday. They were all together talking about me and I ended it on that Sunday. And then they couldn't believe it. I went to their house and so... And they were just hugging me and we were all crying. And she helped me so much because after that, it was hard. Mm-hmm. The healing was hard. It was like, now here comes the hard part. You were, I was in a hell state before, but I was unconscious. Yeah. So now coming into the consciousness was almost even harder than being in, in the relationship. Absolutely. Because now it's like you're faced with the, all your shit, all the shadow. And I would just scream and cry and yell. And it was all the anger from childhood that I was never able to express from my father, from the abuse from my father. And it was able, I was able to just 
get it out. My, I was living at my mom. She was able to just hold space as a compassionate witness for me to just scream and be like, hey, hey, ah, cry, hit the pillows. And she just held space in her home for mm. me to just release and heal. Mm. Oof. So beautiful. Yeah. 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 I would love to hear from you based upon everything you just said. And again, for those listening, for me, my saving grace, this similar points that we're now talking about in this voyage was I then surrendered, you know, and I had that same kind of just final kick scream moment where I let go and just said to great spirit, you know, show me the way. And that's where I started getting all of these signs and guidance to go to, you know, have a session with this particular shaman in Minnesota and just, you know, all, all these different Mm. healers to facilitate what my soul needed on that day. And then at this place and just keep doing the work, keep facing, keep feeling, keep walking through the muck, keep laying down and slobbering and then (laughs) get up again and all of that stuff. So this, it was the surrender And then the devotion to heed the instructions that came from that surrender Mm. that really helped me. But what tips or what steps did you take um, for anyone listening who would also like to have some navigational tools to help transcend these places? What helped you stay strong? So a few months after that relationship ended, I started my yoga teacher training. So that helped so much in building my confidence again, because completely you become a shell of a person when you're in that kind of relationship. Your soul is slowly being sucked out and my soul was being sucked out. And so it's building the confidence again, movement, connecting to your body, communicating with people because it was so weird. I was, I was losing connection with people. Mm. I would like, I couldn't look people in the eye. I was becoming shy. I couldn't really make decisions for myself. Remember my mom said that. She'd be like, what do you mean? I'd be like, should I do this or should I do this? Like I couldn't because part of the self-esteem is just going away. You don't trust yourself. You don't trust yourself. And so just building that back up. And because I was a psychology major, I was just so obsessed with healing. So I was just doing all these different things, anything I could find. I found this one woman, Christine Gutierrez, Cosmic Christine. She was doing Ignite Your Feminine Light, these eight-week group group coaching programs and fierce love, fierce light. And it was learning about boundaries, learning about the people pleaser and um, just building my sense of who I am. I remember I had to write things like, Devana likes the color this. I am from this. Going back to the basics of finding myself and who am I? Just because it was taken, right? Your identity just becomes mixed. And it's one of the things that they say is so common between these kind of relationships. It's the same thing that happens to prisoners of war. Mm. Women and men, because this happens to men too, right? Are um, It's the same, same kind of thing. Wow. Prisoners of war and emotional abuse. And it's very common to what's happening right now in the collective. So it's just like the micro and the macro. Yeah, That's why it's so, yeah, so much, so much for me what's happening right now. But also the plants again. So then connecting deeper to the plants and finding my voice again, because I lost it in that relationship. I lost my voice physically. Mm. I couldn't sing anymore. I would try to hit notes and sing and I wouldn't be able to hit them. And then as soon as he left the voice my voice came back but of course it then took time to heal but i remember i was i could sing again i was singing in the shower that day wow instant instant 
Yeah. And for me, it was, you know, I remember when I was still at this point in the story where I'm sharing, I was still with my ex Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, the true shaman in me and, and psychic ability person in me was trying to keep those gifts, gifts alive. And I remember I had gotten a psychic course and, you know, was doing it at home and it made him like really apprehensive, of course. And, Mm -hmm. you know, of course he did not want me tapping into (laughs) those abilities. And because he expressed just such disdain for me doing that, then I, you know, halfway through the course, you know, quit doing it Mm -hmm. and all these things. It's just one example. But I remember after finally, oh yeah, just getting space and time apart, just how fast all of my shamanic and psychic and spiritual abilities just started to open up so, so quickly. And it really didn't take that long. I think large in part because of my total devotion to heeding any of the instructions divine was giving me and doing it, doing it, doing it, doing it, and facing, facing, feeling, feeling. It wasn't that long. I think it was only about a year and a half or two years on that devoted healing journey where the the very deep, unmistakable knowingness of who I truly am as a shaman just activated mm. inside of my meridians, inside of my bones, inside of my blood, inside of my light body. And it was just this moment. And I was like, oh my gosh, I, I know who I am. Mm. And then becomes the whole other journey then of like <laughs> opening your true calling up and and all of that. So were there any other plants? I'm just curious because I know you have just experienced so much mm-hmm. on your spiritual path and any other plants that you feel you want to talk about that assisted you <laughs> in your awakening? Or Well, after that, I maybe, yeah, a year, two years later, I did my guy's school of healing apprenticeship to study herbalism. And that was the next layer of connecting to the earth and to the plants that grow in abundance all around us and to gentle plants that we don't need these psychedelic medicines. We don't need to go climb the top of a mountain to get these plants that really just the plants growing in our backyard can help us just as powerfully. And and so it was just connecting with all the different plants. We, we learned about so many plants and it was just drinking, just drinking the teas, reconnecting to my body and allowing the plants to just rewire my brain. Mm. And nettle helped me a lot. And nettle started growing in my mom's house, never showed up before. The nettle started appearing like wild in my mom's backyard after I started working with nettle. That reminds me, I don't know if I'm going to get this little nugget of information correct, (laughs) but our mutual friend, Allie, who's also here in Texas, we had dinner over there the other night. And she said something like, if you wash your feet in like a pail of water, a bucket of water, and then you take that water and you just pour it out into the land, like whatever your body and being needs will start to grow. Oh my goodness. And that what you just shared reminded me of that. Like everything in you needed nettle. And then all of a sudden it's like, here it is on your land in your yard. Here it is. That's the oh the connection, the interconnection of the plants and us. Yeah. Nature. Wow. Oh my gosh. And so what do you consider your calling to be? So because of this whole journey and researching and reading about how common this is, I was floored. I was like, oh my goodness, 
this is happening all over the world and going into then the statistics of domestic violence and the murders of women. And just so then that set me on the path. I'm here for the women. I'm here for the divine feminine. I'm here for the goddess that has been pushed down from the patriarchy through all of this abuse and control and fear. And so my calling is what I started to do shortly after that was to gather with women in circle. And the root of this whole thing was lack of Mm self-love. And so... Bingo! (laughs) (laughs) So then just being uh, an ally for women in their self-love journey and helping them and just holding space and bringing the plants into the circles, sitting together, singing together, moving together, dancing and sharing and just witnessing each other in our journeys. And we created Sacred Sister Circle and have just been so consistent. My, My dear sister Heather and I have just been holding space for women, gathering in circle and that's what I'm here for. Yeah. And I love that you guys, because when I shared with you that I was going to launch Ceremony Circle and you're like, oh my gosh, because you and Heather through this program, you help to educate others how to hold space for mm-hmm. ceremony, right? The, yeah. the program is called Something Sacred Circle. Sisters Circle and Ceremony. Yeah. I was <laughs> like, oh, okay. <laughs> it's perfect. Amazing. Yeah. And so I wanted to ask you, I think I read this on your website. You said, we are the medicine. And I'm just mm. curious, what do you mean by that? <laughs> well, connecting it to Devana, to the plant Devana, the plant Devana that I am the medicine, Devana, the flower. I am the flower. I am Devana. Thank you, Devana. Thank you to Divine Devana. That is my Instagram name. And though we are all sparks of the divine, this plant is created, put here by creator for us to use as medicine. And I say that Divine Devana is this plant. And so just thanking all of our plant teachers that have been here longer than us that are just holding space for humanity to open up our hearts to them and to listen and to come back to each other and to our hearts and to the earth so we can live in balance and harmony. And we are the medicine by healing ourselves and connecting to our inner child and feeling safe in our bodies feeling safe on this planet, loving ourselves so that we can love others, so that we can serve, so that we can be of service and listen and learn and live through love. And that starts within. It starts in the homes. It starts with our home within. And we are the medicine. There's nothing outside of us. It's all within us. And the plants help us remember that. The plants bring us to the doorway for us to do the healing. There are guides. Mm-hmm. I felt like I got taken to church on that <laughs> one. I was over here with my eyes closed, just praying with yes, you on that one. Yes. So before we get into um, you getting to your sacred partner with your sacred partner, Aubert, and in your birthing stories, the last little bit with the plant world, what are some first one or two steps some folks can take where they're just like, this is speaking to me? Do they, you know, if they do have a yard, do they just, is a first option just going out and maybe witnessing and touching and smelling and talking to the grass and plants that maybe they just walk by every day and had never talked to before? Yes, exactly. That's one of the that's one of the exercises we did that weekend with the Wisdom of the Earth um, certification training was we went outside 
and we all found a tree that spoke to us and we asked permission first, can we receive your message? Can I come sit next to you and wait and listen? And if you get the yes, go and sit next to this tree, maybe touch the tree, introduce yourself, and then just sit. Just sit next to the plant or the tree in your backyard, in your neighborhood, and just sit there and just listen. Listen to what the tree has to say, what the plant has to say. And it's amazing. And it helps us to drop out of the mind and just come into our heart and to just be in between worlds for us to receive the messages. And that was that was really the first way I started connecting with the plants and the trees, just going and touching and sitting next to the plants. And so that's a beautiful way to go in your backyard and then to notice what plants are growing around you. Oftentimes it's the what people think are weeds and are using chemicals to get them out of the yards are the abundant nourishing medicine that we can use like dandelion and nettles and so many beautiful plants, chickweed that are just saying, hi, I'm here to help you. (laughs) And then maybe looking that plant up after you sit next to it and then learning more about the properties and how you can use it and work with it and cook with it and make medicine if that is your call to do that. But Mm -hmm. we all are connected to this way. We all have indigenous roots. The Europeans have indigenous roots and we are all remembering our indigenous roots. Indeed we are. And yeah, I would just also remind you listening that it really just takes taking that first step. You know, I know oftentimes spiritual expansions and what does it all mean and where might it take me? And just it can, because you are entering into the space of infiniteness, it can maybe feel overwhelming at times, but just remember it's just about taking step number one. If something is speaking to you, if this, what we're talking about with the plants is speaking to you, you don't have to go beyond any information other than just doing exactly what Devana just said, just going out into your yard, going to a park and just let your, letting yourself be guided, you know, connecting to the natural world and letting yourself be guided. And once you do that, the next, what I call divine connect the dots, like the next step will appear. The next little hit of information mm-hmm. will appear. The next little nudging of from the deeper part of your soul will start to tug at you. So it's just about taking that first step. Yes. And learning how to listen to our inner voice that we have just shut out for all all different reasons, but learning to listen to your intuition and to your inner voice that so many of us just ignore. Yeah. And the plants help us get into that space for us to listen to our inner voice and be guided. Yeah. And the last little thing I'll share about my previous long journey with my ex is you know, we were both college athletes together. I remember, you know, the very first time that we ended things, I just was seeing some very scary signs. And that deeper part of me, that voice inside of me was just like, this is, this is very alarming. And if this is how he reacts to adversity, imagine, imagine living Mm. your life with someone whose coping skills are at this level. Mm -hmm. If this is where he's letting himself be taken from that one experience. If your kid is crying or screaming, if, you know, anything, Ooh, yeah. uh, your driver cuts you off, like anything in life, I, I was like, this will be your life. Mm. And so I ended things then. And then much like the article, the research article alluded to, you know, we just got back together and ended things so many different times over 16 years. But I knew 
very early on. I knew and I ended things very early on. And then I let myself get mm-hmm. pulled back in. That happened to me in the very beginning. I remember I came back and he was from a trip and he was like, so controlling. And I wrote him this letter and I was like, you're crossing boundaries. So at that time, I even knew what boundaries were. I was yes. so strong at that point. So that's just what's interesting is like, we, I was strong. I did know. And then I get pulled into the fog. Yes. And I forgot. I completely forgot. And I looked back at this email and I had sent it to him when I had used Ivana that weekend. I sent it to him. I was like, I wrote this to you four years ago. Wow. Look, I was trying to get him to understand like you're emotionally abusing. I was trying to get him. Then I realized there's nothing you could say. There's mm-hmm. nothing you could say. You have to just let go. Mm-hmm. He's on his journey. Amen. <laughs> Hey fam, I want to take a moment to thank this episode's sponsor, Let's Get Checked. I used to be one of those people who wasn't really too concerned about getting any sort of regular blood work or general health checkups. I was just of the school of thought, hey, if I sense I'm healthy, if I feel I'm healthy, that was good enough for me. But for some reason lately, I have been way more interested in knowing the specifics about my health, and that's where Let's Get Checked comes in. If you go online, you can select any of their tests, everything from fertility to sexual health, cholesterol, thyroid, lots more. What I went with was the micronutrient test. And this one checks your levels of vitamin D, B12, E, copper, selenium, zinc, magnesium. And this is the best part, it's super easy. They send you the test in the mail with everything you need to collect your sample. And then you just mail it back. Yes, it's that easy. And then within two to five days after you mail it back, you get your results online. I actually learned I was low in vitamin D, so I have stepped up my supplement game there. And I didn't feel the need to do this, but you also have the option to go over your test results with one of their nurses. So I just wanted to let you know about this option because you can get the test you want done without having to make an appointment, go to a doctor's office and all of that. You can check out all of the testing possibilities at www.trylgc.com backslash CCP and use the code CCP20. That's the number two zero. So the code is CCP20. That gets you an amazing discount. So once again, I know the website's a little tricky to remember. You can also head to my show notes and I will have it listed there. You can just click on the link. But the website is www.trylgc.com backslash CCP and use that code CCP20. It'll get you the discount. And here's to your health and thriving. All right, it's important to now take a moment of breath and gratitude for one of my favorite superfood brands, Organifi. I wanna thank them for making today's episode possible. I am personally friends with Organifi founder, Drew Canoli. You can actually peep episode three of Ceremony Circle podcast to get to know him deeply yourself as I interviewed him. He is such a pure, integrity-filled, beautiful being. So I'm truly so honored to be able to share about his line, Organifi, and one of my very favorite products that they have, Organifi Gold. For any of you who have been following me for a long time, you know I'm obsessed with tea. I actually quit drinking coffee many, many years ago. And Organifi Gold is an incredible superfood tea that contains powerful superfoods and mushrooms to help you relax so you can just wake up feeling refreshed, energized, ready to take on a brand new divine day. 
or Unified Gold supports a healthy immune response as well and a healthy response to stress. These are all really great things to have at times like now. What makes this tea so powerful and so soothing are ingredients like turmeric. Turmeric is an ancient root that's been used for over 4,000 years to promote healthy response to occasional aches and pains. It's an antiviral, so it aids in boosting immunity and can even help with aches, pains, and muscle soreness. Another one of my faves, ginger. I try to put ginger in everything. It's been used for thousands of years to help the body's immune system and disease fighting capabilities. It's got a little kick of flavor, you know, adds a little spice to your life. And at the same time, it supports rest and digestion. And another favorite ingredient, lemon balm. Even just the name makes you feel good. Lemon balm is an herb used to calm and relax the body for thousands of years across so many different cultures. You can take it at night. It helps you to relax and wake up feeling amazing. So this is the Organifi Gold Superfood Tea. It's 100% USDA organic, gluten-free, dairy-free, soy-free, vegan, non-GMO, clinically proven ingredients. It's 100% an organic whole food. You just cannot beat it. I love it so much. It tastes incredible in warm water, or you can add some oat milk or coconut milk. That's what I do. And I've been supplementing this creamy tea in as my nighttime treat. And then I just relax and drift off to sleep. I'm excited for you guys to try it. To do so, all you have to do is go to www.organifi.com backslash CCP. That is www.organifi.com backslash CCP. When you get to checkout, use the code CCP. That's three letters, all capitalized, CCP. Put that in at checkout, you get 15% off anything. I shared about the gold tea that I'm obsessed with, but anything that resonates with you, you can use the code CCP and you'll get that discount. I will have the direct link to this website and these products in my show notes on my website as well. Much love, Soul Fam, and back to the show. Let's voyage into womb land, womb mm. territory. And now what you're about to share with me, this is all new information. You know, I have yet to experience pregnancy and birth. It's something that I feel is in the divine cards for me. Mm. And it's something that Luke and I are preparing ourselves to explore and so I'm really excited to learn from you because I know you have uh, two beautiful boys, mm -hmm. Cairo and Nature, and yet their birthing stories could not be more different. Mm -hmm. So I don't know where you want to start or how you want to, yeah. because I know this is a very sacred part of the conversation. So can you do the rattle? Yes, happily <laughs> do the rattle. Mm -hmm. So in 2013, while I was in that relationship, I came across the book Sacred Woman by Queen Afua. And that was the first time I had ever learned and read about women and our wombs being connected to the current condition of the earth 
that the condition of our wombs is directly connected to the condition of the earth. And as we heal our bodies, we heal the earth. As we heal the earth, we heal our bodies. As we heal our wombs, the earth will heal. That was the first awareness I ever had of that. And then years go by, that book goes into storage. I always would think about that book, but I was somewhere in all the travels, it was just in storage. And so when I met my beloved Albert, after doing all the work, deep work, completely rewired a whole new being, a whole new brain, right? Just deep healing. Also navigating the trauma in the new relationship. But when I became pregnant, I, at the time, had my insurance with this place and I didn't know anything about birth. So I just went to the doctor that my insurance was listed under. Just, okay, this is what we do. When you get pregnant, you go to the doctor. And then I'll need to make sure everything's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. You got to get all. Yeah. That's what we do every, every month or every few weeks. However it was, you got to go get, get your check tests, get, che- get tested. Yeah. Get checked, get your blood test, get your, all these things. And we, at this time, then we were now in Bali. We, we conceived in Bali. We went back to Bali. We thought we were going to live in Bali. And I then started seeing the doctor in Bali and going to this beautiful place called Bumi Sehat. So then I had learned about gentle birth and this beautiful birthing center where they sing the Gayatri mantra as the baby comes out and they do a lotus birth where they leave the umbilical cord um, attached to the placenta of, until it naturally falls off within, you know, five, seven days. And we get to the center because I wanted to do water birth and we get there and to visit and there are no more birthing tubs. The government had made them take out their birthing tubs because they said water births are too dangerous. So that was already my first sign. Like, "Mm, this isn't happening the way you think it's going to happen. And then I was like, okay, I'll get a midwife in Bali. And then a volcano erupts. That that can change. That can change some things. (laughs) And ended up like there were signs of it erupting and there were little eruptions. And then the day after we left to come back to California, the big eruption happened Mm. and the airports were closed. So now we're back in California. So now I'm going to a new doctor with my new insurance. So just right away, I was in the system, try to get out a little bit. Nope. So I truly feel that spirit was guiding this whole journey. Fast forward, I am in the hospital with my new doctor and she's saying things to me that I didn't feel in my heart that I didn't agree with, but that pattern people pleaser in me It was the same thing as in that relationship. I saw the red flags, but I ignored it. I was like, oh, it's okay. She didn't believe in water births. She's like, oh, they're too dangerous. The way she talked to me was very infantilizing. It was very like I was a little girl, um, very condescending, just not really listening to me, not hearing me, like touching my leg, like, okay, honey, patting my leg. And at that time, if I had the courage and the strength and the consciousness to just stand up and say, no, I would have, but I stayed in it oh, I'll be able to change it. I'll be able to have a natural birth in a hospital and I'll be able to show women that you can have a natural birth in a hospital. So I was choosing to enter into the battlefield because at this time I was reading so many books that were talking about just the ways of the hospital and just how out of alignment it has become just so far from the way we can naturally blissfully birth and just all of the interventions that happen in hospitals, all of the abuse that happens in hospitals and the gaslighting. And I was like, okay, but I'm just going to stay here. I'm just going to do this. 
I did not want to birth in a hospital, but I did so anyway. And I truly believe that a woman has to feel safe wherever she births. And for some that might be a hospital, but I didn't feel comfortable in the hospital, but I stayed there. And I ended up getting put to sleep, general anesthesia and having a C-section. And looking back, I know it was not an emergency. It was not necessary. Mm. It was a false negative with a non-stress test that was saying the heartbeat was, we can't find the heartbeat. We can't find the heartbeat. You need to do this for your baby. Handing me a clipboard, a paper with a clipboard and signing off cesarean delivery. And I just get wheeled into the emergency room. And at that moment, I was just like, that was my initiation. Am I going to die? I thought I was going to die. Am I going to die? Am I going to wake up from getting put to sleep? So that was my deep surrender and my deep letting go. And my mom was there. Thank God. My mom was there because I thought I was going to go home. So I was like, hey, mom, you can come get me. And they're just doing these tests and I'll be done soon. And then all of a sudden the heartbeat's disappearing and they're rushing me into the operation room. And Albert was at work. So you're by yourself. Yeah, by myself. Thank God my mom was there. So she was the first one to hold Cairo because I was still asleep and coming out. And so I ended up being on all the drugs, all the the Oxycontin and the, I don't even remember the name of it, that you push the button and it's like morphine, morphine but oh, something else. Different, okay. Yeah. And I was just on all the drugs and I was just surrendering to what had happened. And I was just so grateful to be alive because I thought I was going to die. My nurses were amazing. And I was just filled with so much gratitude and so much presence at that time for life. And so it helped me see the balance in Western medicine and to be grateful for life and to just be grateful for, yeah, to be alive. Mm -hmm. So it was hard for me. I didn't go into any kind of depression. I was just really grateful for, for my experience. I really came to a good place with it. Wow. But not, not, at all what you were thinking or imagining would would happen for you, especially on your first birth. And I, ima I would imagine, you know, the fact that it was your first time giving birth too probably played a little bit of a role in terms of like going along a little bit with what the doctor said. Mm -hmm. Because again, you know, you didn't have, because you are a walking example of what happens when you do go through the experience once, the amount of inner tools and innate knowingness that so quickly comes on board because of what you then <laughs> experienced for your second birth. But the first time, you know, that stuff wasn't activated. Uh, no, I did not even know yet what a free birth was. I didn't know anything. It's just like, that's where I was at the time. And that's why that happened. Because that's the consciousness that I was at. I truly believe that birth comes with karma and consciousness. It's all connected. And the soul of the child and their choice and how they want to come through your consciousness in addition to the medical system and to the industrialized medical system and where we are right now, so out of balance with the natural ways and with the hospital. And so that's that's what happened. Because I remember you briefly sharing, um, and again, I put off all of these full-on details of the story until today, but I remember you saying, I don't know at what point in your second pregnancy journey it happened but you were so clear in like the certain wounding places that you were at within your mm -hmm. own self or certain dynamics within your own being that 
perhaps led you in some ways to having that first experience. Mm -hmm. And then in facing and healing those, you were then able to, in a very empowered way, have a different second time. Am I recalling? Exactly. Yes. If I didn't go through that first birth, I wouldn't have been able to do the second birth. Basically going through that gave me the power and the courage and the awareness and the wisdom to do more research, to empower myself, to learn a new way, to build the confidence and to deeply heal my womb, to connect to the womb. I went so deep into my womb journey after that first birth. And what what does that look like or what? So that was just like talking and listening to my womb, just like we do with the plants is placing my hands on my womb and just listening. What's one thing she had to say to you? <laughs> that 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 was my my trauma. It was still that same not listening to my in, inner voice mm. and going with the authority, which was my wound right from my father. Mm. That was still not fully healed. I see. Okay. Mm-hmm. There we go. Yes. Wow. Wow. So, okay. So you're doing some deep womb work mm-hmm. and how long after you're doing all this research and, and deep inner work, did you then get pregnant with nature? So then I got pregnant with nature. They're exactly three years apart. So about maybe like a little over two years go by and then I, I get pregnant again. Okay. And my question is, were you guys aiming to get pregnant and going into this intention to get pregnant did you already have a very big clarity of like i'm doing it a whole different way this time well we were very open again to the to being pregnant we're like if a soul wants to come through we always trust that it's it's going to be divine and god will give us the child at the perfect time if it's meant to be because that is what we've experienced that it's like okay it didn't happen this month it didn't happen if it comes if they come they come so we were just open okay that's kind of how we were with the first birth we're just open like god spirit if you want this to happen then it'll happen okay we weren't trying or anything. We were just like, we weren't not trying. We weren't trying. It was just very neutral middle way. And so even then I wasn't like, oh yeah, I'm going to do it this way. If we do get pregnant, it was still like slowly coming into my being. So when my moon was missed that month, I, I remember I was like, okay, I'm going to take a pregnancy test tomorrow because I still had one. And that next morning, I couldn't find it anywhere. It was gone. I don't know if Kyra was playing with it because it looks like a little like toy. Right. But I couldn't find it anywhere. And so I'm like, okay, I'm not going to take a pregnancy test. I I knew from that moment that I was not going to take any tests. Mm. I wasn't going to go to the oh. 15 different doctors like I did with the first pregnancy because it was exhausting. And I just wanted to be in my body and I wanted to see what it felt like to just go with the way nature had created us to just be. So right out of the gate. Right out of the gate. You had a divine, a pregnancy test, divine intervention. Yeah. It was like, nope, you're not going, you're not going to go this way. You don't need to pee on a stick to tell you, yes, you're pregnant. You already know you're pregnant. What does it feel like in your body to just know from that very beginning point that you're pregnant without having to get this outer confirmation from something else, from this plastic thing to say, yes, 
I love this so much. <laughs> Everything in me is lighting up. Okay, so you are, yes, now you're starting to get some very clear awarenesses. And w- what were some of the next couple of steps then that really started to shape up very differently that time? So you now know, okay, all these tests and checkups are not to be a part of this second journey. Mm -hmm. Did you ever hit up against, though, any hesitation? Like, like second questions, like just wondering, should I or? Yeah. So I was very open at this point. I wasn't like, yes, I'm doing a free birth. I was like, okay, well, we were planning on moving. So then we were going to maybe move to Maui. So then I was looking at different midwives in Maui. At this point, I wanted a black or an indigenous midwife, if I was to have one, because of the black maternal health rates and statistics in America. And my last doctor was this, you know, white woman. And, you know, I didn't have a good experience. I was like, okay, what happens if I connect more to my roots? Well, even though I'm both, right? What happens if I connect more to this like natural way and and have this kind of midwife? And I didn't really see that in in Hawaii, in Maui. I couldn't find her. And so then I was just kind of still just, you know, what am I going to do? Just, you know, weeks going by. And then Free Birth Society was having their radical birth keeper call where they are sharing about their school. And so I was listening and I unmuted myself and asked Emily of Free Birth Society if she knew of any radical birth keepers in Maui. And a radical birth keeper is essentially a woman who goes through their school and they are there to hold space for women who want to free birth. So they're not tied into any license. If anything happens, they can't get in trouble because they're really just like a sister, a woman, an auntie, friend being with you at your birth. That they're just holding space for the woman to go through what she wants to go through and you're just there to help her. She's just there to help you with whatever it is you want. And I asked her if she knew of any radical birth keepers in Maui and she said she did. She knew one. So I was like, okay, if I go to Maui, I'm going to connect with this woman. And then we're seeing where we're going to move. We come to Austin. And again, first thing I do is email Emily. Are there any radical birth keepers here in Austin? And she connected me with Isabella. And so I had a meeting with Isabella. She does these beautiful monthly village prenatals where women come who are pregnant or maybe they just had babies or thinking about becoming pregnant. And she does, it's basically a women's sharing circle where we share our fears, where we share our dreams, where we share, you know, what's going, what's coming up for us. And then she does belly mapping where she feels the baby and she feels where the head is. And then she does, listens to the heartbeat with the fetoscope. And so this was my first, since I've been pregnant, my first kind of little prenatal visit. And then we had butterfly blue PT and, you know, it was just beautiful. So different from sitting in a cold hospital room, peeing in a cup and getting your blood pressure taken. And I knew right away that I connected with her and that I wanted her at my birth because she's a radical feminist and she's just here for women stepping into their power. And that was the energy that I wanted at my birth. I didn't care what skin color she was at this point. It doesn't even matter. Her energy is like here for the, for the women empowerment. Wow. That circle and sounds so great. It's so beautiful. Yeah. I feel like I'm supposed to yes. go to one <laughs> of those. So you, at this point, you're many months into your pregnancy mm-hmm. and your quote unquote checkups are these sister circles yeah. and things like this. And and um, if I remember correctly, you went your whole pregnancy. Yeah. Without- yeah. And so, so after I met with her the first time, I 
interviewed a birthing center here in Austin because I was so kind of open. Oh, maybe I'll go to a birthing center. And just to see, I was kind of just wanting to see. Sure. And I had a Zoom call because they weren't doing any in-person visits with, there were two midwives. So I read one, she was black and she had a VBAC. VBAC is vaginal birth after C-section. And that's what I was going for. So I was like, oh, cool. Like maybe that she'll be my midwife because she gets it. She's been through it. And she answered the Zoom call wearing a mask. And I was just like, nope, that's not the energy I want at my birth right away. And they told me that I'd have to do COVID tests. And I was just like, nope. And they were like, well, then I don't think we're going to be a good fit for you. So just right away, it was just like, this is not your path. Isabella is the way you're going. So I signed up with Isabella to help me one-on-one. She would come over, we'd have three hour, or, and I'd go to her house and we'd have three hour visits. So I was like, okay, this is, this is the path I'm going. And the fears that came up, I was able to process with her. Okay. And because she has studied with the Radical Birth Keeper School, she just knows so many ways to just hold space for the fears. Mm. No, that's a variation of normal. Oh, no, that is a very, very small percentage that that would happen as opposed to a doctor saying, oh, yeah, you're black. That's going to happen to you, which is what I experienced at my, with, the, with the OBGYN. Like, oh, this is very common with women like you. So you're probably going to have this. So it was just a completely What was experience. one of the fears you had to face? So one of them was what they say when you are having a vaginal birth after C-section is that because of the scar of you being cut open, that you will have a uterine rupture, which means when you're in labor, your scar is going to start to open and that could be deadly. Mm. But it's a very small percentage of that happening. Or other things is that your placenta sticks to your scar, to the scar tissue and it might be blocking like your the the canal so the baby can't come out. So mm. there's again very very small and those are some things that you can go to get looked at in an ultrasound. But one of the things you learn is that an ultrasound is a moment in time. So you can go get this ultrasound and be like, "Yeah, it's fine." And then you leave and it's blocking, you know. So it's this false sense of safety with these outer tests. It's really playing God. We're trying to we're trying to know. We want to know can I do this? Can I prevent this? Can I prevent this? Looking outside of ourselves at what happens if we just trust our bodies, we just trust what spirit is going to give us and what spirit is going to have the plan. And trust the space holder that's perfectly aligned for what is meant for you, which sounds like Isabella was that person. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. So now are we getting closer to your do you just know your due date because you're just marking like yeah. eight months? <laughs> yeah. I, the reason I knew my due date was because I before that I was tracking my menstrual cycle. Okay. So I just counted, okay, the last day of my period, the first day of my last period was May 1st. So I just did the math, you know, and you just know it's like this window. It could be two weeks before that. It could be two weeks after that. And there's so much fear in the medical world with due dates. And they put this pressure. If your baby doesn't come by this due date, you're late. And that's what happened to me with Cairo. Because, well, first of all, at 38 weeks, my doctor was saying, you're late, you're holding baby for too long. What are you, an elephant? Because babies carry their, their, um, in their in utero for two years. So she was, you know, saying those little kind of jokes and stressing me out. I went 42 days, 42 weeks in two days. And so she kept saying, that's why they put me in the non-stress test. That's why they're doing all these extra tests because I was quote unquote late. And your placenta is going to dry up. Oh, you're running out of liquids. It's crazy how wow. common this is that doctors say this to so many women who go past their 40 days. Your placenta is not going to dry out. It's like this myth. And it's this fear. Like you need to get a C-section. This is getting too late now. Mm. And so that happened to me. 
And so when I did approach 40 weeks, that started to come up for me like, okay, I'm going into back into that space where I was with Cairo, where I need to just drop in and trust that even if I go 41 weeks, 42 weeks, 43 weeks, that it's fine. At some point, the baby's going to come out. You're not going to keep it forever, right? So just a deep surrender and trust, surrender and trust. And I was able to process that in our circles with Isabella. Constantly checking in with yourself though. Yes. I mean, what a journey. Yeah. And it's not a journey for everyone at all. This is was my deep personal journey that I had to go through to reclaim my power. Yes. And then I love, I mean, the way that the way that you ended up giving birth. I mean, if you can just let everyone know. So Luke and I, we had already bought our house in Austin, but we still had to go back to Los Angeles, pack everything up and make our way here. And as we were doing that, the snowstorm hits Austin and we're like, oh gosh. And everyone who lives down here was saying, you know, car, you literally cannot drive. I mean, it was in, in this, these are a lot of people that come from other areas in the U.S. that are known for snow. It's not like their first time experiencing snow. And even they were like, your car will slide off into the ditch. The roads are complete ice. And this was like a historic storm for Austin. It did not happen for like, a hundred or whatever years. And um, so Luke and I had to make our way very slowly. We ended up pausing in Phoenix for like five extra days because we knew we couldn't even come into town. Lo and behold, this is when your body decides (laughs) it wants to give birth. Yep. So that Friday, the 12th, I was taking a bath. I remember I was just going into the space because that was exactly 41 weeks for me. So when the fears were coming up of like, is baby going to come? You know, I had to just trust and I was using my essential oils and taking a bath. And I remember calling Isabella and saying, you know, like, I'm worried it's 41 weeks. And she'd be like, don't worry, there's a woman in the community right now who's 44 weeks. So that gave me just this hope, like, okay, it's fine. This little reassurance. And this is the night that the ice started to appear. All the plants were covered in ice. And I remember walking outside and taking pictures of just like all the beautiful plants just crystallize in ice. And then that night, I started to feel low, like little sensations in my low belly, kind of like cramping sensations. And so funny, on Instagram, this one woman I follow who's pregnant, she was doing squats and posted this little video of, squats are so great for pregnancy. And I was like, Ooh, that sounds good. So I got up and I started doing some squats and then my water breaks. So it's this little trickle. And then I noticed that there's meconium in the amniotic fluid, which means baby poop pooped, which hospitals, doctors hate that they'll rush you to a C-section if they see that, because what can happen is baby can inhale it Mm. and it can get into their lungs. And it's a very hard thing. Um, yeah, often they don't make it. How did you stay calm when you noticed that? Because Free Birth Society teaches us in their Guide to Free Birth course that it's a variation of normal and just to trust, right? It's a very, very small percentage, again, that they will inhale it. So I just trusted and and I talked to baby. I was like, it's not good if you inhale it. I was just talking to baby, like, don't inhale it, you know? And feeling the, the sensations. And I realized this is contractions or rushes or surges or waves, many different words for this. And I call Isabella again. I'm like, okay, I think that I'll just sleep through the night thinking this can take days. Then they were pretty consistent. So I call her back. I'm like, maybe you should come. 
And thank God I did because she got there. She took the Uber, got there at, at 11 p.m. And after that, it became the roads were undrivable anymore. The, the black ice came, the snow was starting to come in. And so I'm moving through the waves. Albert goes, I tell Albert, go to sleep. This could take days. Again, I was just reading stories at birth. You can be in labor for, you know, hours and hours. So Albert goes to sleep and I'm just moving through it. And Isabella's just there in silence. She doesn't say a word. She just brings me coconut water. She puts essential oil, peppermint and lavender on cotton balls, comes and hands them to me. She's just holding space, literally sitting on my bed, holding space in the most divine way you can hold space, just sitting there as a woman is going through labor. If you want to talk to her, will she talk back? Yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. She's there to just- Got it. To just be there. Because she used to be a doula in hospitals and then she was a doula for midwives. And she saw the direct connection that it's the same thing. The abuse that happens in hospitals, midwives are also doing just with all their fear and interventions. Because at the end of the day, it's all fear, right? The interventions are coming because we're afraid that baby won't make it or that mama won't make it for whatever reason of not trusting. And part of that journey was accepting death, was accepting that that could be a possibility. And that's what birth is. And Albert actually had a dream a week before baby came that I had a stillbirth ceremony. And so he came into the room in the middle of the night because he was sleeping with Cairo so I can get my last few weeks of his sleep before baby came. And he comes into the room. He said, I just, I had a dream. I had a dream that we were having a stillbirth ceremony. And so my heart just dropped and we felt that that was going to happen. Mm -hmm. And that spirit was giving him the message and for us to prepare. Oh, that's pretty intense. Mm -hmm. And we were just processing, wow, if this happens, this will be such a beautiful lesson and, you know, beautiful teaching for the community to watch us go through this healing and this experience. And, and then I started reading about stillbirths and reading about signs and just, you know, being inviting that, that that could be a possibility. And there was a beautiful website that I had found that was giving rituals and songs and ideas that you could do if that happens. And then there was a section called the Jesuit Bodhisattva. And this is actually a Bodhisattva in Japan that women pray to when they're pregnant. And he actually guides the souls of stillbirths and miscarriages and abortions. And a lot of women have little statues of him and they're all over in Japan. You can find them. And this statue was actually given to me at my mother blessing ceremony by one of the women who came to the circle. And it was sitting on my birth altar. And so when I read that, I'm going to cry. When I read that, my heart just felt like this is, this is what's going to happen. And there was actually snow that day. That was the first snow day we had in Austin on 30, in 30 years was on the day of my mother blessing. So then I started connecting snow to death and to transformation and just fully accepted that this was going to happen to us. And getting to that place of full acceptance of death was what allowed me to blissfully birth nature. Just so grateful. Thank you so much for sharing all of this. It's such medicine <laughs> in so many different powerful ways. Um, thank you for your courage and 
how you've walked the path and how you've navigated and, and your courage for sharing. I'm still just kind of sitting with what you shared because even though you had mentioned that that happened when I saw you at Cairo's birthday, hearing it again, mm-hmm. I just, just the magnitude of you all having to walk through that and face that the way that you did, that's a big initiation, massive. I mean, I can't imagine there being many that are bigger than that. Mm-hmm. You know, you're carrying your child and you're, you you know you're about to give birth. And then all of these, you know, because you and Albert are both so spiritual. And then, you know, this this information came to him in a dream. And then at your altar, you know, these signs are just so big. So you you guys had to really, really look at it. Mm-hmm. How mm-hmm. scary. I just mm-hmm. cannot even imagine. And so you face all of this and then you're still able to stay calm when you realize when your water breaks, mm-hmm. you're still able to tune in. And then Isabella gets there mm-hmm. and you're going more fully into labor. Now, as you get deeper into labor, are any of those fears resurfacing? What had happened was that it just became a full just surrender. Okay. I was There was no fear came up because it was... It was just, if that happened, it's already there. It's already in me. Like I was willing to accept that it would be a stillbirth. So I was just deep in my meditation. There was, there was no fear. There was no resistance. And it was a nine, the whole process from the the water breaking into baby coming out was nine hours. So it was Mm -hmm. like fairly quick. And my eyes were just closed the whole time. And I was just in this like deep squat position down on my knees, like pretty much the whole time. And then when I got into the water, into the birthing tub and the baby was crowning and that was another surrender of just trusting and allowing the body to do what it does. There's no, for me personally, there was no pushing. There was no, there was no resistance. It was the head would just slowly come out. And then it would go back in and I would just wait, just wait for the next surge, the wave, and it would just come out and then go back in. It was just slowly stretching. And I was just allowing my body to do what it does. Like what happens when we just let the body do what it naturally does without any interventions, without checking, having another person stick their fingers inside you to see how dilated you are. And that's often what will cause a woman to, to stall in her labors because, oh, you're only four centimeters. And then they're like, Oh, and she gets down instead of just like going into the space where she could just be and allow the body to be. And that's what a radical birth keeper is there for. They're not doing any of that. They're not checking your, your heart rate. They're not checking for baby's heart rate. They're not checking your pulse. They're just allowing nature to do its thing, which midwives cannot do because if something happens, it'll be on them that they didn't check the heart rate. And so they'll lose their license. And so that's the difference where radical birth keeper fully understands death and fully understands the divine power of nature and of the body. Wow. Oh my goodness. And so <laughs> nature, or maybe he wasn't named nature yet. Yeah, we didn't. Yeah, we didn't know yet, but nature was a name that came through if it was going to be a boy. Okay. And so then when he did, when the baby came out and the water just so peacefully came out, 
Albert got in the tub with me right before he came out and I just held him in the water really slowly and brought him back up and he wasn't crying, which kind of worried me because you always see, see babies are supposed to be crying, right? In the, all the movies and things. And he was just peaceful. He was just peaceful. So then I was like, oh no, did he swallow the macone? Just kind of the little fears come up, right? And I kind of looked to Isabella like, do you think he's okay? And it's like, I see, oh, he's okay. He makes little sounds and place him on my body. And, and then Albert goes, is it a nature? He asked. And I looked down. I'm like, it's nature. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Well, wow. <laughs> to, for you two to be sitting together in the water, having that moment after this whole voyage, especially that chapter at the end, I cannot even imagine the energies of that time and space that you guys shared. I'm sure there's probably <laughs> no words for it. No words. It's like <sighs> transcendental. And I remember feeling before he came out, I felt the little movement. Like I felt his little feet. Yeah. And then I was like, oh my gosh, like that kind of fear of the stillbirth was gone. It Oof. was like just, it was, it was there. Not, I don't even want to say fear. The possibility of the stillbirth was like, oh my gosh. And then the excitement comes in. Wow. And then, I mean, so you give birth this beautiful, healthy boy named Nature and you know, because of the snowstorm being as severe as it was, there were still a few days where the roads were undrivable. So Isabella was like stuck at your she house. She was there. She was stuck <laughs> at her house, which ended up being such a gift, right, for us. And originally we had planned that she would come maybe four, four times. It was going to be part of the postpartum care where she was going to come back for four visits for, you know, a few hours at a time. But we ended up just using all the hours. Those She stayed for three days and she was there to do laundry, make me food, help me with anything I needed, clean up the the birthing pool, drain it out. It looked, it was as if nothing even happened, like clean the blood, do 10 loads of laundry. And I could just rest in bed with the baby, which would have been my mom, right? But my mom couldn't get in. Right. So it was Isabella. So beautiful. How divine. Wow. And for those who might be wondering, like how you worked with the umbilical cord, you know, how, if you don't mm -hmm. mind sharing, how did you guys do that? Yeah. So that's another fear that came up that I was able to process with Isabella that happens a lot to women is hemorrhaging. And that often happens after baby comes with the placenta not coming out. And I had asked her while I was pregnant, I was like, what, what would you do if the placenta doesn't come out? What do you do? Because oftentimes a woman will go to a hospital for that. She'll transfer. And she's like, I would, we'll do a little ceremony. I'd have you go into a dark room, go away, be alone, talk to your placenta, do a little ceremony, thanking it for, for being here, for holding the life and, and ask it to be released. And so I was like, that's the vibe. Like, Yeah. <laughs> and so after baby comes, I go, she's like, here, just sit on the toilet while she was getting things ready. And the placenta literally just slipped out within like a minute and it plopped into the toilet. And so I wanted to make a tincture out of it, but because it went into the toilet, it was contaminated and we just froze it and it's still in our freezer. We're going to bury it in the, on the land. But for the umbilical cord, we waited 12 hours to release the placenta from nature so it gave him time to just be with the placenta, let all the blood and the nutrients from the placenta go into him. And then we burned it. We actually did a, a cord burning ceremony. And Albert held the, the fire to beeswax candle over this little wood, wooden box that they make specifically for cord burning. And we just sat in ceremony for 20 minutes, just holding the flame over the umbilical cord and just thinking and praying and 
and playing music and Kyra was there and Isabella and until it just disconnects. Wow. And then, okay, this is going to be a really silly question, <laughs> but remember, I've never given birth. Yeah. So, okay, so you did the burning ceremony of the umbilical cord. Then how, like, how do you know how close to put it to your stomach or like how, I don't the umbilical or the the yeah like how does it how do you then just well because now it's off me it's out of me right so now it's just nature and the placenta and the cord okay so if you can imagine like a big placenta with the umbilical cord attached to him right so then he i was kind of holding him and we burn it kind of we had a little box that that protects the flame from him okay we make a little cardboard with tin foil uh-huh just to give a little barrier and there's maybe about like, I don't even know, maybe like six feet or something of cord left from him, maybe 12 feet. Maybe 12 inches? Or- I mean, sorry, 12, six inches, 12 inches. And and then you tie it in a knot. Okay. You kind of like tie it, tie it, tie it. And then it just slowly shrivels and starts to dry up and it just gets smaller. And it takes about five, seven days for then that piece that's still attached then fall off and leave him with his belly button. Got it. That is so fascinating. I know. And we use myrrh essential oil on the belly button for healing because it helps with white blood cells. And it was just so uplifting to have that beautiful smell in during that journey. Wow. With all of my heart, thank you so much for so openly and honestly and vulnerably sharing your birthing stories. I know how sacred they are and how personal they are to Mm -hmm. you and your family. So thank you for bringing um, your experience here to Ceremony Circle. Yes, thank you. And just to add, the next day we lost water in the snowstorm and I didn't have water. We didn't have wire for a week running water. So that again brought us to the fire to the water, back to the ancestral ways of bringing wood into the fireplace and keeping us warm as the electricity went in and out and the community, you know, reaching out and seeing if we had what we needed and just being so grateful for everything that we do have and reminding us to come back to our roots and to come back to nature. What a journey. I mean, when you really (laughs) look at it chapter by chapter, piece by piece, and then the way the climactic ending of it all. It's pretty astounding, you know, the way that you guys were able to do all of this at your home and and just your little family unit and Isabella holding that sacred space. It's such a beautiful story. Thank you. Wow. And then do you have any postpartum tips or anything that you want to share in that category? Yeah. So I feel the most important part that's really missing from our society. And this, I have to thank one of my teachers, Rochelle, from Innate Postpartum, Innate Traditions. She teaches this beautiful postpartum care course that I was doing that started in June and it ended in January. So I was doing this class one day a week as I was pregnant, learning from her and also what I had gone through in my first birth. But resting We did 40 days of sitting in and every culture around the world has this tradition where you rest for 40 days and you do nothing. You don't cook, you don't clean. You have the whole community come together to bring you food, to help you clean. And you just get to rest and be in bed with baby. And it's actually a scientific thing that's happening is your brain is completely rewiring 
to now support this whole new job of taking care of this life. So by you just being able to lay in and rest, it allows your brain to completely reset. And they say that if a mother is able to get this time that she can actually become even more rejuvenated than she was before she gave birth. And I really called that in for my postpartum time because I wanted it so badly. And it's so not known in this Western society. People don't do this. So like I had never heard of it until you shared it with me. Yes. So I had to go deep calling it in, doing a meal train, having this beautiful um, company that just started here in Austin called Nest and Bowl, who brought me lactation cookies and ghee and bliss balls and had them come and had my mom come for two weeks and do laundry and cook. And Albert fully stepped in with taking care of the fire for that first week because no one could get to us. Everyone was on their own survival journey. So he, wow, divine masculine, fully stepped up, cooking every meal, making me tea, holding space with Cairo in the other room. So me and baby could just be. And warmth is so important to just be warm. So I had this um, rice bag that I would heat up in the microwave and just rest it on my womb. And I had this tincture of, it's called labor, labor ease or after ease from Wish Garden. And that has beautiful herbs that help the uterus shrink back, back to down to size. And I also had yarrow and motherwort, which are two plants that will also help if you go into hemorrhage. So I had everything ready just in case anything happened. I had homeopathic tablets for pain that I didn't end up using or for hemorrhaging. I had the two tinctures. I didn't end up using them. I kind of use them afterwards because motherwort also helps with any kind of blues. It uplifts the spirit and the essential oils, rubbing them on my tummy, on my belly, on my womb, nutmeg, which is this warming, Mm. beautiful plant that I rub on my womb. And also I inhaled nutmeg right before I went into the birthing pool, right before the crowning and the baby came out. And nutmeg is also like a psychoactive, has this little psychoactive stimulant. And I feel like it just, nutmeg helped me go deeper into that, into the laboring crowning part. I am over here taking notes. Yes. Nutmeg. (laughs) Nutmeg. (laughs) And I had clary sage and mugwort for the very end of my pregnancy. So those plants really helped me. And then after I was using fennel, essential oil of fennel, which helps with breast milk production and sweet orange for just uplifting the spirits. Wow. So using having all those plants and also lavender and peppermint during labor. They're just these beautiful allies that just help comfort us and physically, emotionally, spiritually. My gosh, I wish you could make a little ebook about your story so that so that I can have it as a guidebook for hopefully when the day comes. That's my plan. I want to make a course, make an ebook, do yeah, just help women now. This is my like life passion. So this is what I feel is the next step, the next evolution in holding, you know, sister circles for four hours. It's holding space for women at birth. Wow. Ooh, I got the chills on that. (laughs) Okay. So excited to know all of this. Oh my gosh. Okay. Let me just do one more tune in Mm -hmm. and you can do the same before we get to the actual ceremony offering to just see if there's any last little bit that you want to share. One last little button of information. Well, for me, I know that we're not too far 
out of that 40 day window that you were able to have. Mm -hmm. Um, So thank you for taking time to come out of the home and to have this time with me and she brought uh nature all bear and nature came um when when you arrived to the studio so it was so nice i mm-hmm. love all bear so much mm-hmm. he's he's episode four of ceremony circles if you want to go back and listen to all of his powerful teachings with divine masculine embodiment and all the work he does with sacred sons and felt really special you know since so much of this interview is going to be about your births to have nature come into the studio for a second was so beautiful Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. anything else you want to share before the ceremony yeah i'd love to share that part of that 40 day healing was having this beautiful care done that was actually with a woman here in austin they're called birth con madres and they're a doula Um, company, but they also help women after birth and they do womb massage and they help with the belly binding and they do closing of the bones ritual that I had learned about in innate postpartum care. And it's this amazing, powerful ceremony where the mother, essentially she gets whole body work done. I had a whole body work session and then they tie you up from head to toe with rebozos, which is this long piece of cloth. And this tradition comes from Mexico, but every culture around the world, which we learned, has some aspect of this cloth that they use to hold baby and to carry baby. And in Mexico, they use this cloth for all different reasons. And they came to my house and they lay me down after the massage. And she begins a process of wrapping me essentially every energy center. So the crown, the heart, the stomach, the womb, the hips, then the the calves and the feet get all bound up. And so I'm lying there and nature starts starts crying. I start hearing him upstairs. My mother-in-law is watching him and a dear friend who was over. So as soon as they start wrapping me, I start to hear him cry. And then my, so I get taken out from my body up to him. And I'm like, oh no, I need to feed him. And then I start getting this kind of anxiety. Like, oh, I should have fed him right before they wrap me up so I don't have to be thinking about him. And he's crying. So that takes me out of my body and they start wrapping me up. And I start, the mama in me is just like, get me out of here. I need to go feed my baby. Mm-hmm. And so they tie me up and I'm just wrapped up, bound up. And the biggest flood of anxiety comes into my body where I thought I was going to die. It's, so it's the same wounding. So this was for me the the last initiation, and oh, just when cry. you think it's just over, just when you think it's over. So I'm lying there, about to say, "Get me out, untie me, get me out." But then I just boom, I go within and I start praying. Thank you, God. Thank you, Divine Mother. Thank you. I'm safe. I'm safe. I'm here. I'm in my body. I'm okay. Nature's okay. Nature's gonna be okay. Divine Mother has nature, and I start praying and meditating, going within. And then she starts drumming and then she starts singing. And then I'm able to just kind of gather myself. And then when it's over, she starts untying me. And every, every rebozo she takes off, she goes, ah, and she just unties me. Ah, and I'm just like, oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I made it. And that was the last piece of me coming back into my body after being, giving myself to, through birth to other people not listening to myself, being out of my body. It was like my whole last pieces of my soul flew back into me. Full soul retrieval moment. Full soul retrieval. Wow. 
I did not know that one yet. Yeah. And then I asked her, I was like, I was like, does that happen? I was like, I thought I was going to die. I was like, is that normal? And she was like, you did really good. She's like, you you were able to soothe yourself. Yeah. That's what she called it. You soothed yourself like a baby. And and if you weren't able to, then I would have helped you. We would have helped you through. We would have guided you and given you a meditation, but you were able to just do it yourself. Mm-hmm. Reclamation of that full divine power. Wow. Okay. Closing that, of the bones. Yes. Wow. Perfect closing <laughs> of this entire sacred talk too. Goodness gracious. Okay. Now I'm so intrigued. I just, you know, let you know whatever offering you felt called to share, we will so generously mm. and graciously um, receive. So yeah, whatever you want to facilitate. And if there are any instructions for listeners to do before they receive your your transmissions. Mm. Thank you for being here with us today, for listening, for opening. And I invite you to find a quiet place, maybe lying down or sitting down as we go on a little journey, connecting to ourselves, to the voice within, and to the womb space, whether or not you physically have a womb knowing that you can still connect energetically to your womb, to the cosmic womb. And so finding comfort where you are, feeling your body resting or sitting on the earth or on your chair, Maybe closing your eyes if that feels comfortable for you or gently keeping them open, softly gazing in front of you. And taking a moment to notice your external environment. Noticing any sounds. Noticing any smells. Noticing the temperature of the room, of the air, and how it feels on your skin. And now maybe just placing your hands on your body, just just to feel yourself touching your shoulders, moving down your arms, your chest, just patting down your body, your thighs, just feeling yourself here where you are now. Hello, body. Bringing awareness to your body. Maybe feeling your head, your hair, your face. And then when you feel ready, just resting your hands on your lap or down by your side. And now coming into your internal environment and scanning your 
body from head to toe and just noticing, witnessing how you feel in your body. And begin to notice your breath. Your sacred breath, breathing in through your nose and out through your mouth with sound. (sighs) And again, full inhale in from your feet all the way up through your crown. And exhale. (sighs) Relaxing your shoulders, feeling your shoulders, your hips melting into the earth. And taking one more big inhale in, feeling your chest expand. And exhale, softening. (sighs) And I invite you to bring a ball of light Whatever color that is for you today, maybe a white golden light above your crown, sensing, imagining, visualizing this energy, light, this ball of light above your crown, above your head. And allowing this light to just slowly move down your body, through your crown, passing through every energy center, through your first eye, through your throat. Like a rock dropping through the water, slowly moving through your heart, just lighting up your body, moving down through your center, your solar plexus. through your womb space, your hara, until it can come to rest down at your pelvic bowl. Just filling up your pelvic bowl, filling up your womb with this light. Maybe placing your hands over your womb and just starting to breathe into your sacred place of creativity, of creation, of movement, of stillness. And just sending your breath into this place, making this connection. And then continuing to move down to your root, to your tap root, to the base of your tailbone, lighting up that space. And noticing what do your roots look like? Can you see your roots? Can you feel your roots without any judgment? And if nothing comes up, just being with that. 
noticing, witnessing. What do your roots need from you? How can you tend to your roots? What are the messages for you to receive from your roots? And allowing your roots to move down through the earth, continuing to make their journey through each layer of the earth. Grounding into the earth all the way down, down through every layer until you can come to the center of the earth and noticing what does the center of the earth look like to you? How does it appear? Maybe it's a ball of light or fire or a crystal and allowing your roots to wrap all in and through and around the center of the earth, feeling the energy, feeling this connection, this foundation and allowing the energy to move back up from the center of the earth, back up through your roots, all the way up, up, up through the layers of the earth back up through your tap root, through the base of your spine and back up into your womb space. And again, breathing into this place and asking your womb, what is there for me to know in this now? Listening. And if there are any other questions coming from your heart, out of the mind, coming from your womb space to ask, ask and again, listen and receive. And then continuing to move back up through your solar plexus, the energy from the earth up to your heart space and up into your throat, connecting the womb to the heart, your heart to your voice, allowing any sounds to come out, the sound from deep within the earth, from your roots, from your womb, from your heart, sounding out any sounds. <sighs> Continuing to drop out of the mind into your roots, into your womb, into your heart. 
yourself to move your arms, your hips, anything that wants to come through your body, through your voice, dropping deeper and deeper into your being, into your bones and sounding out. and closing your mouth, letting your jaw relax, knowing that our pelvis and our jaw are connected and that the same tissues that are in our yoni, in our vagina are the same tissues that are in our mouth. And the more that we can open our throats and open our jaws and open our voices that our yoni and our pelvis will open and that we can release the trauma stored in our tissues and in our wombs and we can release the patriarchal control from our wombs, from our bones and come back to our voices and to the earth and to the wisdom within. Letting the tears fall. If that is what's coming through for you, just let the tears roll down your cheeks and allow yourself to feel. Sounding out any sounds for the collective, from the collective, releasing it through your voice. Ah, ah, Through your breath. Knowing that we are all connected through the breath. Thanking your breath. Thanking the collective breath and all that we are learning together through the breath. Thanking your heart. Thanking your womb. The cosmic womb and the divine mother. We are remembering. We are listening. 
And again, placing your hands on your body, maybe giving yourself a hug, holding yourself, placing your hands on any area of your body that is asking for that connection right now. Just feeling yourself, your being. Seeing yourself as a baby. And just holding yourself. And allowing yourself to be held by the mother. And when you are ready, opening your eyes, doing anything else, any movements, any sounds that you feel called to make, Maybe drinking water. Shoo. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Glory be. That was such a wonderful dance and voyage. Wow. (laughs) I had no idea what you were going to pick, but I was like, yes. (laughs) I was like an off in other dimensions and galaxies doing like these primordial screams because I knew I couldn't blast the mics like that, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but I could see myself in these other places just unleashing and unhurling furling and unhurling these noises and screams and yells mm-hmm. i was like wow i did not know all that was all around and in here primal and me mm-hmm. very primal primordial yes all of that that was so wonderful thank you sister thank you such an honor to receive mm-hmm. some of your teachings and the, all the beautiful divine medicine that you so strongly embody and that mm-hmm wants to move through you. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you to all of my teachers that helped me on this path. Always thanking our teachers and our elders and the water. The water. Thank you, water. Mm -hmm. Just do a little... officially close this incredibly powerful space and ceremony circle today thank you everyone for going along that ride with us and being so present i felt your presence and as always i will have uh devana's information in the show notes of course you um, see my posts for every new episode at i am allison charles so we'll have all of your handles and all the information there. Um, but is there any place you want to direct them to right now? Mm, well, it will all be there, but sacredsisterscircle.co is where we have all of our women circles information and our inner temple offering that we have, our monthly sistership where women are coming together to learn in workshops and classes and different all this different content and plants that we have every month we have a new plant that we work with with different rituals and recipes for the 
to, for the plants and and also one-on-one sessions are available. Yeah, through that, just connecting with me there and on our Instagram, Sacred Sister Circle. Beautiful. And hopefully ebook coming soon Yay. and other offerings um, specifically in the birthing space coming soon. For yes. Yes, uh, thank you, Queen. Thank you so much, Allison. Thank you, Sister Queen. Such a gift. Love you. Love you. Woo! What a powerful voyage that was. It is just my greatest honor. It brings me so much joy and activates and lights up my soul to be able to sit with these incredible embodied, true spiritual masters and leaders from all over the world. I ask that you please, if you feel called, continue to support them and their work in whatever way that feels aligned for you. Please go to my website where all the show notes are listed, www.allisoncharles.com. That's www.allisoncharles.com so that you can access their direct links to their website and social media platforms and additional information about them. And remember, what makes Ceremony Circle so unique is that at the end of every single episode, as you just experienced, we immerse in a powerful ceremony, ritual, invocation, prayer, spiritual song, some sort of activation that the guest feels called to offer on that day. So listen to your intuition. If at any point moving forward, you feel called to come back and re-immerse in this guided ceremonial experience, do so. Because I guarantee every single time you experience it, you will receive a new medicine transmission, a new awareness, a new awakening aspect within your soul. It has been an honor voyaging with you Please keep the Ceremony Circle community vibes growing and activating. Find me on Instagram at I am Allison Charles. And let me know how you enjoyed this episode. Let me know how you are creating your own sacred Ceremony Circle space. Tag those in your soul fam who are immersing in the Ceremony Circle episodes and experiences with you. And let's unite in the next episode coming out next week so we can continue to activate the consciousness energies of planet Earth and the universes. This podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only, and my intention is not to provide medical advice or diagnosis. You should always consult a health professional before making drastic changes to your diet or lifestyle.